0: Stressed recording the intro. Right. Hey, it's Flo. Welcome back to Flow with Flo. And yeah, long time no see. Ah, don't bring it up. I'm trying my best, I promise. But yeah, welcome back. And let's just get into it. Let's just go. I'm not going to waffle. Right. Ready? Over to Flo in the studio. Okay. So. I am here with Gary Clark. Um, would you like to give yourself a little introduction?
1: Yeah. Hello. Um, my name is Gary Clark. I'm the artistic director of uh, Gary Clark Company, um, who choreographs all of the company's work and oversees all of the company's artistic visioning.
0: Amazing. Perfect. And then, so we we're just chatting about sort of maybe your current work your past work uh giving us a bit of a rundown of what you're making at the moment where you are in your process with the company right now
1: Mm -hmm. so um we've just been lucky enough gary clark company's just been lucky enough to be selected as one of arts council of england's new national portfolio organizations um npo for those of you that might not the NPO, um which is really it's super exciting because the funding landscape at the minute is is quite fragile. And having spent the best part of 15 years applying for project grants for the arts council, um it was a real relief to get the MPO status. A bit there is lots more work to do. It's a very different infrastructure than project grants, but it does mean that we've secured funding for three years and potentially beyond to deliver our work with less application writing. So for the first time in my whole career, I actually have a job. I have a proper job. So I've kind of jumped from freelance to being an employee of Gary Clark Company, which is really odd being employed by your own name. It's a very odd situation, Um, but it feels really really nice and kind of well-deserved in a way like we've been really slogging at it for so many years and having to constantly battle against the funding system. So for once, it's it feels really nice to just be on a regular income. And I know that's really rare in the industry. So I'm very thankful of it and I, and I respect it. And I, I, I'm gonna look after it and make sure I do my job well. Um, so yeah, the company's gone through quite a big shift in the last six months going from a project by project company to an NPR. And for me, just as a choreographer, having to switch from a choreographer to an artistic director is very different. One is just choreographing work. The other one is to be responsible to be the, um, the kind of vision behind a company, um, a strategic company, um, and to uh, make sure that everything kind of matches up, um, like we said we were going to do so that yeah i'm kind of understanding the roles and responsibilities of an artistic director that maybe i didn't understand when i was just a choreographer so it's a big jump for me artistically um and a big a big change in in responsibility as well
0: i mean congrats i feel like that's the companies that's like most companies dream um and yeah well deserved of course that's really exciting and a little bit maybe about how you've got to this point so when did you start making work
1: um yeah yeah so i've always i think i've always been interested in making things even as a young boy i was always making Things I started off with puppetry and puppet shows and light shows with torches and this kind of bric-a-brac jumble sale way of making stuff in the 1980s. It was way before technology. So it was all about what you could do with household items. Always very interested in like sculpture and Lego and art and paint and drawing, just artistic stuff. I've always been a creator of some sort kind of fell into dance by accident really, um, in the 1990s, um, through the rave culture and what was going on kind of socially and politically. I didn't come through a kind of formal dance training. um, And then ended up pursuing a career as a dancer. So I went to Northern School um, of Contemporary Dance, graduated in 2001. But whilst I was at Northern, one of my keen interests was choreography, was making work. I've always been super interested in, in, crafting movement. And it was whilst I was at Northern, um, <clears throat> I created a piece of work called Typewriter, which was for my third year dissertation. And the piece was about stereotypical images of, of, of men in magazines told through a female uh, perspective. So the, choreograph- the, chore- the the piece was choreographed on all women. Um, so it was kind of playing with gender and stereotype. Um, And I showed it as like an evening's platform at the Northern School and the director of Yorkshire Dance at the time, Bush Hartson, saw this piece and really liked it and invited me to go down and uh, visit Yorkshire Dance. And he spoke to me about an artistic development programme called a Yorkshire Dance Partner, which basically kind of bridged the gap between university and the professional and Yorkshire Dance kind of supported me in terms of giving me rehearsal space and money and mentorship to create my next work. And that's how it started. So I created a piece of work called Skinny Dark Eyes, which was a trio. And it just went to some like scratch performances around the country. And it grew from there. Everything just started to grow and people started to take note in what I was doing. People were interested in the style I was working in, the subject matters I was using, Um, was playing a lot with art and film at the time. Um, You know, this was what 25 years ago now, so things have changed a lot. Um, But back then, it was some of the stuff I was doing, that felt quite new. Um, And it slowly started to build. So it's, you know, it's taken a long time for me to get to where I am now. It's been a slow burn. And alongside all of that, I was also performing a lot with other companies as well. So I weren't just focusing on choreography. Neither was I interested in succeeding really as a choreographer. Like I really just wanted to play and experiment with choreographic ideas. I never had a big vision to run an NPO or a company or be, be on the touring network. It really wasn't part of my visioning the work was the main driver. Um, So experimentation has been quite key for me in my journey and going at my own pace and not being allowed to be shoehorned or pressured or pushed into a system or a speed um, of which I think there's a big expectation of. I just wanted to just take it at my own leisure. And then I met Annabelle Dunbar, who was the director of DanceWorks UK, which is a big organisation in Sheffield and they were kind of producing, presenting and promoting kind of dance organization, quite cutting edge dance works. They were supporting the likes of Michael Clark and Netherlands Dance Theater and Wendy Houston and the Chumleys and DV8 and so on. And she kind of brought me into the fold of all of that. Um, so I was kind of exposed to a lot of different work and different choreographers. And then slowly that relationship grew and they commissioned me to make a bigger work and. And now Annabelle is my independent producer. So she works for Gary Clark Company. She's no longer with Danceworks. So I guess what I'm saying is it's taken a long time and it's been a, it's been a slow process. And when I mentor lots of artists who are very quick and keen to get big funding and be, be what they might perceive as successful, I always talk about the slow burn and for things to just take time and to not give it so much pressure because with that, there's longevity. And I think only now do I really understand my vision as a choreographer and what, what I want to make and what I want to say. But it's taken 20 years for me to understand that um, until until now the company's a, a, an MPR. And I guess the reason why we were successful with the MPO is because I could articulate very clearly what my practice was, what my company was about, what my ambition was in a way that I wouldn't have been able to do even five years ago. You know, like it's... Um yeah, I'm in quite a like privileged position in that I feel like I really understand what I'm here to do and I'm still doing it. <laughs> I'm still able to 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 do what I what I love doing and what I believe I'm I'm on this earth for.
0: Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about what motivated you to carry on during that time? Um if it's like slow, you know, and it's and it's difficult, and it's not building, you know, people obviously it's nicer when things are going quickly and you feel like you're already getting momentum. But taking like years to make something happen, like what what kept the the momentum, if you know, and the motivation.
1: It's fair to say that things were building. I I wouldn't say that it was difficult. It was it was never hard. I think it's actually been not hard because I've taken my time <laughs> and gradually things have built and I think it was always confidence building so I would do one thing and then I would be able to reflect on that and go oh actually that worked really well or I really like doing that there's other stuff I can let go of so then you grow with your ambition so then I'd do something else and that would grow and then I'd learn from that and then I'd go oh, I'd like to do that but on a bigger scale so scale for me, you know, because we're, we're the minute we're on mid, we're, we're a mid-scale company, and that's just come naturally. That that didn't come out of a desire to be on big stages at all. It's just so happened that the work started to swell in such a way. But again, I'm really up for the fact that I might go back to a one-man show in a small theater for two, two or five people. You know, it does for me. It's not about um size of audiences necessarily or size of work. It's just so happened that my works swollen in that way but it's been a gradual development i can't i've never stepped back it's always felt like a progression um and i think what's kept me going is that i've been able to sustain a career as a dancer a choreographer a mentor a teacher a facilitator a speaker a lecturer a director a movement director (laughs) like I've been able to tap into all of those different roles rather than just having one avenue of, of of income or of, of possibilities and opportunities. So if I wasn't choreographing, I was performing. If I wasn't performing and choreographing, I was teaching and vice versa. So I was able to juggle quite successfully all of those elements and, and and have an income, you know, like I was lucky enough to be able to graduate from northern and go straight into employment and it's it's kind of served me up until now, really. There's of course, naturally with any freelance work, there's up there's ups and downs and moments of, of of quietness and and being unemployed, but generally speaking, it's I've been able to to manage because I think I've done all of those different things like what we learn as dancers is like our skills are so interchangeable like we can tap into so many different things and i've ended up on jobs that i never thought i would do you know i've ended up on big hollywood movie sets and doing music videos and, and i would never have thought when i was training at northern that i would ever do with that kind of stuff so it's yeah it's been amazing really to see how flexible um our skill bank is
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's nice to hear from someone that's sort of you know, not like I feel like often when you talk to people it's like the struggle is real, you know, and it's like and I'm sure that's true as well, but it's it's nice to have sort of a perspective of like, you know, there are possibilities, you know, to put food on the table and things. Um Yeah, and so we've sort of covered what you've done in the past. Do you want to talk a little bit about the piece you're making now? and the piece that's just been performed?
1: Uh, yeah, so there's two pieces of work. I've just made a piece called The Palace of Varieties, which was a piece made for an art deco cinema in that It was a site-specific work, and it looked back at the history of the building of the cinema. It's a really exciting project. You know, I've not made anything for quite a while, so it was a great opportunity to be creative again. We made it in just two weeks. It was a 50-minute show. Um, with like 10 different sections and different costumes and we had film and um, narration Um, it was just really really exciting and I worked with some northern students on that um, people at different uh, points in their career for me to work locally in Barnsley as well that was really exciting I'm from Barnsley, Barnsley doesn't get enough arts and culture so part of my commitment as an MPo in the region is to try and um, inject Barnsley with a bit of um artistic content. <laughs> There's not much dance in Barnsley. So I've been able to kind of work um at a cinema there. A cinema that I used to go to as a young boy as well. You know, it was it was just really, really great and brilliant to be back doing what I love, having spent the last six months doing lots of administration for the MPO. Um so that's just happened. And then I'm just about to audition for my next major work, next Gary Clark company work which is a piece called Detention, which is the final part of what I'm calling the Thatcher trilogy, following my previous two works, Coal and Wasteland, and, de- and it's titled Detention, and it looks at uh, Section 28, which was a, um, a government legislation that came in in the 1980s, which prohibited local authorities to speak about homosexuality so it's looking at the impact of section 28 on the lgbt communities of which i was a part of so it's quite a big political piece of active active activism um the work should act as a piece of activism it's going to have a cast of all lgbt people and it'll be a um a work full of like stories and testimonies and statements and speeches from around the time more so i think as well just to educate um audiences because this legislation went so under the radar and so many people were affected by it people died um and i think for me it's just about highlighting where we've come how far we've come as a as a community as an lgbt community but also remembering where we've come from and actually the sacrifices people had to make for us to live our lives as we do today so for me it's quite an important work um and yeah, I'm just about to audition in London, which is really exciting. We've had like over 400 applications, which it's just completely staggering for me. Um, yeah, I expected quite a large number, but I did expect like 400, 407 to be exact. Um, so yeah, I'm just about, to, and it's been really hard because we've had to bring that right down to a smaller number. So I'm just about to go to London this weekend and see who's out there, which is really exciting.
0: It must be so exciting auditioning and seeing everyone. But I just can't imagine how difficult it is to see 400 people and have to sieve through. Exciting, but very I'm different. really
1: proud. Yeah, I think I'm really proud to say that I, I dedicated and I committed my my process to make sure that I read every cover letter that I looked at every CV and I watched every showreel. Like I didn't just want to like flash through things like that's something I committed to. So it took me a full week. Like I watched over 30 hours of material and I read 407 cover letters and CVs and, and then reply. And then Laura, my engagement manager, you know, sending replies and making sure that we are in constant dialogue with people. It was a real time-consuming lengthy process but I'm so glad that I did it the way I did it and that I didn't cut any corners or I didn't like um negotiate my sense of someone just because I might have known them or just because they were fresh out of college or um you know their cover letter started on the wrong foot I just made sure that I kind of committed to Invest the time, you know people had spent a lot of time writing cover letters and putting showreels together, and I just thought i need I have to commit and read every word and watch 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 everything like and I just know that that doesn't happen often <laughs> um so I'm really proud to say that I got through four hundred <laughs> and seven uh, and yeah we we got it down to fifty people, which was a really hard task, you know three hundred and fifty seven we had to say no to. But for you know, for for reasons which I stand by, because of casting, I've only got room for five dancers in this next work, and I want to make sure the cast is is diverse and rich in terms of its people. Um. So yeah, we'll see what happens at the weekend.
0: I cannot imagine sending three hundred and ninety five emails. No. That is that is a lot of emails saying no. No, uh, oh.
1: yeah, it's 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 horrid. and I and I actually, although when we audition, it's really exciting because we've got job opportunities. It's equal, it's equally as as hard because I also appreciate and know how hard it is as a dancer out there, having danced for a big part of my career. Um, so I do appreciate it. it's a very competitive landscape,
0: and. When you're auditioning, what for this piece, what have you been looking for? what's the like you said, a diverse um I think a lot of people right now are going into auditions. I mean, what
1: mm-hmm. in a
0: cover letter in the show reel, what are the things that are really standing out to you
1: it's this is a really good question because I think I didn't. I don't think I fully appreciated with how much work the cover letter was going to do in my selection. And I think the difference is that some people in their cover letter basically just did a written version of their CV and told me what they'd done in their career. But then other people in their cover letter wrote about why they wanted to engage with this particular project, which for me was much more invested because it means that they had a a need to uh to to be involved so it's a more, on a much deeper level rather than it just being uh, a job and i think with this piece of work it's really got to stand by the people performing it like i want people to really represent the people uh, the community that i'm i'm looking at so for me the cover letters were a big kind of sign really of how much people were talking about the work but that against how much people wasn't um so i would say i would advise people writing cover letters to like do research on the company and the uh, if it is for a particular project the project and talk about the project and why it means something to you that is a big big thing and then also making sure that the show reel matches up with the requirements like it's a, it's a, like it's a lengthy process and you know in the call out i'd specifically said what we were looking for in terms of stylistic movement which was you know floor work and contact work and like movement of a high physical velocity but then i would look at show reels that people were sending me of like quite classical ballet um footage so it, then that didn't match up to the requirements of what we were asking for so i think there's just there's something to be said about attention to detail and making sure that cover letters cvs and and showreels match up to what the company are asking for because if any you know if our call out's anything to go by and, and we're getting 400 people then that's what people will look at that's what they'll judge you on is is how much but that's definitely how i made my decisions is how, how much has the person invested in the call-out and what we're looking for. Um, and then I was also looking for a high level of technical finesse in the showreels, because I just know that this next piece is going to be very, like, technically based in terms of the physicality. So having a really good anatomical knowledge of the body, I think, is really, really key. So I was looking for that as well. Like not necessarily like technique as in like who, you know, I weren't looking for flexibility and turnout and things, but like who's got a really good sound understanding of their body when they move. That's definitely something I was looking for. Um, and emotional investment as well in movement, which I work a lot with.
0: Thank you so much. And we have been talking for nearly half an hour now. So sort of last questions, like firstly, one I really want to ask is like, what do you love about what you do? What are the things that like you just think I'm so happy I get to do this every day? So that's firstly. And secondly, um, to people that are about to graduate, just like a really short snippet of the wise Gary Clark wisdom, Um, yeah.
1: well so why do i love what why do i love what i do it's really hard when people ask me this because i believe this is what i'm here to do like i don't i've never done anything else i can't say it's something that i've chosen to do i just know that i'm good at it i've got a passion for it i've got a skill for it um i know that it it it's a form of communication for me it's a form of putting feelings the thoughts frustrations uh comments about the world in which we live in and my position within it into a framework that can be seen and judged and experienced um and I guess I enjoy uh the yeah the social impact that that it can have. I also really love working in theatre. Like I love what a theatre can do and I love the spectacle of theatre. I don't really make kind of outdoor work in that's in the same vein because I love theatre. I love what I love how a theatre can become a an environment um, in which we can exist and that can be manipulated and changed depending on what we do. So I love I love that environment. I love being in that environment. Um and I love the power of movement. I love movement. I just think it's a it's a brilliant form of expression, and I like to use that as much as I can. Um, and it's and it's fun, and I love, and it's creative, and it's kind. It's really diverse in terms of what we do. Like I've loved having a really rich career and seeing the world and meeting so many different people and doing it with my mates and i love the social element of being an artist as well like i love going to the pub um i love chatting to people i love being out and about like the social element of being an artist is really really brilliant i don't think you can match it actually with any other career um i love the vibrancy of it all i love i love the the experimentation um and the colour um and I love the daringness of it. I love that it, we create a culture in, in arts where we can um, dare to be different, dare to go to places, dare to, to um, challenge uh, people's perceptions and embrace failure and experimentation. I love, I love that. Um, and I also think art is a really good way of opening, opening our view on stereotype. And how we perceive the world its definitely opened my horizons having grown up in quite a uh, shallow mining community, (laughs) you know, like, by working in the arts, it's allowed me to appreciate people and culture and um, points of view in ways that I don't think I would ever ever have done if I didn't become an artist.
0: Amazing, and then just any any advice for people graduating? Any ways to keep the love through auditions?
1: Yeah, I I, I think for me there there was a, a weird thing. I think when you're training and you graduate, you think you've kind of got to the end of something, which of course you have, but it's the it actually is the beginning of the rest of your life. So it's almost like don't allow the three years that you've done to exhaust you so much where you go, all right, brilliant. Like it's done. It's over. It's like, like, you've almost got to like put, put everything into top gear then and go right now. Now how do I use all of what I've learned and how do I start earning money? (laughs) You know, how does it become sustainable? Like how, how am I employable? now because that ultimately that's what you are is you're you're employable or you're or you're investable you you can be invested in 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 a different way than when you're a student and so i think it's about understanding that and putting the brain and the body into that kind of gear but then also embracing the knowledge that this is a competitive and tough um industry to get into and it and to go back to my original point these things take time rejection is part of it so rather than sitting on that constantly learn that it's part of it get used to it but then know how to activate yourself back out of it and get back on the horse and carry on because you've worked too hard for too much money because courses are expensive now for you to like give up at the, at the first hurdle. Like I know a lot of people in my year at university that just kind of stopped after the first year because it is hard. And you know, people, I think expected things to happen immediately. And when it doesn't, it can feel a bit disheartening. Um, but persistence goes a long way. And to keep the fire burning, surround yourself with like-minded people I'm lucky enough to have a brilliant network of great artists around me that I trained with good friends of mine who I still work with. And we keep each other buoyant. We keep each other up Um, and that's very important. It's really, really important um, to kind of keep supporting each other. And then also looking for other like smaller opportunities. So if you're not working, it's like what's around you that you can tap into in small ways to make you feel like you're part of a community. So for instance, if I'm working in Leeds and we've, we've got a rehearsal, I've had quite a few artists say, Gary, can I, can we come in and observe rehearsals? And I've said, yeah, of course you can. Like I have open studios so people can feel like at least they're in a studio, (laughs) like they're at least part of something. So it's like, what, what small things can you do to just keep plugged into the the desire and the passion of what you want to do because it does it it does those small things do help they help keep the keep the vision and keep you on track i think rather than just allowing things to feel really heavy and negative so keep doing the small things as well
0: thank you very much i feel like we have come to the end it has been a pleasure to speak to you though and we're done thank you for being here thank you for listening another great day another successful podcast I'm proud of us I love us moi moi kiss kiss okay besides the point thank you for listening and you can listen to more episodes on Spotify you can go to the Instagram which is flow with a w underscore wt underscore flow underscore there's a website there's a YouTube channel There's everything. It's the bee's knees. Go have a look. Go check it out. And have an amazing day. I'll see you next week. Lots of love. Bye.